Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a really amazing founder, a founder that, uh, you know, really we're going to be learning about his journey. He's uh, building this rocket ship that, uh, you know, we're going to really enjoy learning how they went about building it and all the good stuff about, you know, build, building, scaling, financing and all of the above that we like to hear, you know, during these uh, episodes. You know, I think that the story of how he met his co-founder raising around when you're not looking for it and then also going about building culture and, and hiring great people are going to be some of the topics that we're going to be touching on this episode today. But again, without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Joseph Landis. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Alejandro. Thank you so much for having me. So originally born in the U.S., so give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up in places like Chicago? Yeah, memory lane. So I, I basically grew up in Chicago, in Skokie, Illinois, and uh I decided to take a year off after after high school. I went to Israel for a year and studied there. Uh, and then I went to college in Boston. And after my third year of college, I got an internship at Microsoft. It was a very odd set of circumstances that led me to Microsoft. I wasn't a technology kind of person, uh, but I went there for the summer. And uh, after I graduated college, I decided to go back to Microsoft. I thought I would stay for a couple of years and maybe go get an MBA. Uh, but I happened to be in a meeting with Steve Ballmer, who, uh, you know, was really the uh, the chief operating officer at the time. And I remember somebody asking him, you know, Steve, do you think I should go back and get my MBA? And he said, you know, he started yelling in typical Steve Ballmer fashion, you know, MBA, MBA, this is your MBA right here. So what did I know? So I decided to stay living in Seattle. I, I stayed at Microsoft for 23 years. And over the the, the last you know, about 11 years or so of my time at Microsoft, I was based abroad. It was probably the best thing I ever did uh, in my life, you know, learning how other cultures operate, not just from a business standpoint, but having to get things done outside the U.S. I lived in India for three and a half years. I lived in Brazil for three years, in Russia, in Moscow, in, in Prague, in the Czech Republic, and in Germany. And, I, and people always ask me, you know, uh, what was it like? And I say, I, I definitely grew professionally, but I grew personally even more. Uh, and it was a super experience. I then left Microsoft. Uh, I was Before that, how, how was that experience of um, being in so many different countries? You know, obviously everything started with living abroad in Israel. But as you were saying, you were like living all over the place too with Microsoft. So how do you think, I guess, your worldview and the way that your perspective and and about approaching things has shaping up as a result of having that type of worldview. Yeah. So first of all, Alejandro, I'd say everyone should do it. If you have the opportunity to live abroad and work abroad for your company, you should do it. There's going to be a lot of people who tell you you shouldn't do it. You know, people said to me, oh, Joseph, you shouldn't go to Germany. People are going to forget about you at Microsoft. They're not going to know who you are. They're not going to remember you. You're not going to get another job. It's not true. It's going to be the greatest accelerator to your career and the greatest personal accelerator you could ever uh, you could ever imagine because you get to see how how people do business in other places. You get to learn how to acclimate to other people's culture instead of them acclimating to you. And in every stop that I made, 
I took the decision that I'm going to be a, a, a person of that culture. So, for example, when I lived in India, I didn't live in an expat enclave or anything like that. I lived in an apartment building with other Indian families. I celebrated the holidays, you know, with them. I spent time talking to them. I learned what it was like to be there in that country. Uh, and that made it certainly easier to do business, but I think it, it made my life a lot richer. And it certainly made me, I think, a more diverse person and a more and a person who really understands culture in a much different way, perhaps, than before. And, and I guess, uh, talking about culture, you know, what kept you for so long in Microsoft, 23 years? I mean, what, what was that future that you were living into that kept you there, you know, within the same yeah. organization for so long? I mean, you, you don't see that often. You don't see it often. You certainly don't see it often today. When I interview people to come to Nerdio, most people have two year, two year, a random set of two year stops that they've made, right? Uh, I loved it. I loved Microsoft. We'll talk about Nerdio and how we built a company on top of Microsoft technology. I loved it. And I think what, what kept it fresh for me was doing all of these different interesting things. So going to each different country, doing different jobs, it almost felt like a restart every two and a half to three years, similar to what you see people doing today. Uh, and the next thing I knew, I was there for 23 years. And quite frankly, I thought I would be there another 23 years. But when I was introduced to my co-founder, to Vadim Vladimirsky, I knew that there was something else I wanted to do in life. And I left, but not because I was disappointed at Microsoft. I, I loved it. I also think that people who stay for a long time at a company, there is a certain amount of inertia that kind of pulls you to stay. You have a certain amount of tribal knowledge. You know how to get things done in a company. Uh, and that creates a certain amount of inertia that is hard to break through. It was a very hard decision to leave Microsoft after so long uh, and start a company with Vadim. Uh, but I'm really glad I did. It was, it was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. So how was that uh, journey like of meeting Vadim? How did that happen? How were you guys introduced? So I've known someone for a very long time, a guy named Brett Maxwell, who is one of the principals at MK Capital, VC in the Midwest in Chicago. Brett and my father actually served together on a nonprofit hospital board in Chicago. And one day when I was early in my career at Microsoft, my father came to me and said, you know, I have this friend, Brett. You should really meet him. I think he could give you some good coaching. And Brett and I established a friendship, a relationship, a, a mentorship, really, for me where once or twice a year we would get together and I would ask Brett his perspective on things. And he was hugely, hugely helpful for me. And it's always good to have this personal board of directors that you could kind of reach out to around the world uh, for different topics. And Brett was certainly on my, and continues to be on my personal board of directors. Uh, Brett reached out to me as I was still living in Brazil and said, you know, I'm gonna be at Microsoft Inspire, Microsoft's yearly partner conference. And I have a portfolio company I'd like you to meet. So I said, great, let's let's get together. Long story short, he introduced me to Vadim. I actually did a demo of the product. I said, wow, this is tremendous. Maybe someone at Microsoft should see this. It was a product that really helped managed service providers whose customers were SMB customers accelerate their move to the cloud. Someone at Microsoft must be interested in this. And when I went back after the show, I started poking around and saying, who at Microsoft might want to see this technology? And after a few more weeks, Vadim reached out to me and said, why don't we get together and build a business together? That was definitely something I was not expecting. Uh, I ended up spending a bunch more time with Vadim. I realized not only that we have a very shared perspective on business and on life, but we truly enjoy being with each other and, and talking 
about life and business. So I took the difficult decision, uh, which in retrospect isn't wasn't that difficult, but at the time was difficult to leave Microsoft and uh, invested, you know, my own money, Vadim's own money, Brett's money into the company. We raised our Series A uh, and we started Nerdio. Now, one thing that is really interesting here is 23 years at Microsoft. So I guess I, I have so many things come to mind, but I guess the, the first one is you were at Microsoft through a really incredible amount of time, you know, there from 95, you know, all the way to the moment that you left, you know, officially, you know, it was about 2018, I guess from experiencing an organization at that level that is, that had such an incredible high performance uh, and, and unbelievable talent. What are like the three main things that you took away with you that you knew you were going to be implementing at Nerdio? Yeah. So first of all, Alejandro, I'd say, you know, you're right. I was there for 23 years. I worked, you know, under the guidance of all three CEOs, the only three CEOs Microsoft has ever had, Bill, Steve, and Sacha. And interestingly, I was living in India when Sacha became the CEO. So if you can imagine Sacha's first trip to India as an Indian-born CEO of Microsoft, I always say it was sort of equivalent to the president of the United States coming to visit India. We had to get security to stand around his parents' house in Hyderabad. It was, it was a remarkable, remarkable thing to be a part of. I got to run some events with Sacha and spend a bunch of time chatting with him. You know, you know something that, that Sacha said when he was on that trip to India, he said to a, a number of IT professionals and students that, uh, that I hosted an event with him at, that, that really you don't get credit for the things you've done in the past. You really get credit for the innovation that you're going to bring forward. And I think about that every day at Nerdio. You know, I spend a tremendous amount of time with customers and partners. I strive very much to spend at least 70% of my time with customers and partners because I believe that's where the truth is. That's where I'm going to learn what's going on really and what people perceive Nerdio to be and the, the mistakes that we're making or the things that we're doing well. And I always tell my team that, you know, hey, maybe we've done some good things in the first couple of years of the company. Maybe we did something great last year, but people have very short memories. People are not going to give us a lot of credit for something that happened in the past. They want to know how we're helping them be successful today. And, and quite frankly, that was probably one of the biggest lessons that I took away from Satya. Uh, you know, certainly I would say the other lesson that I took away from Microsoft is that it's all about the people. People ask me and Vadim all the time, what is your biggest constraint in terms of growing Nerdio? It's certainly not the market opportunity. It's certainly not any of those types of, of things that you would think of when you're building a startup. It's about hiring great people. It's about finding people and helping them be successful and making sure that they are able to acclimate to the pace that we work at, to the speed we work at, to the way we work at a startup. And if we can do that, we're going to continue to grow. And we're going to continue to double our business year on year. And, and it's why I spend so much time recruiting, re-recruiting, and spending time with people. I would say those are really the biggest things that I learned uh, at Microsoft and uh, that I continue to share and, and that drive me at Nerdio. So there is probably a lot of people that are listening now that are still in corporate, you know, working maybe for a big corporation and wondering what would it be like, you know, if they were an entrepreneur or they were to do something on their own. Maybe why don't you share what was your thought process? Because obviously you were speaking now with Vadim, you know, and wondering what would be a, 
world where you guys, you know, would be together. So doing something of your own. But I guess what was that thought process, you know, all the way to you being okay and being at peace with launching, you know, or 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 submitting your 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 resignation letter? Yeah, there, there were there were two things, Alejandro, that that I still think about today. The first thing I did was I created a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and I called it "Can I Afford It." So I I basically mapped out for the next three years from the time I was thinking of leaving what my expenses would be. I have three children; they were all getting ready to go to college. I didn't I didn't want them to be penalized because their dad made some stupid decision and decided to leave Microsoft. Uh, so I, I made sure to set aside enough money to pay for them for college. I figured out what my other expenses would be. And I, I got good with myself that I could afford to do this for at least three years, assuming that, you know, it wasn't going to be a success. Uh, the second thing I did was I went to one of my great mentors, uh, a fellow named Soma, Soma Segar. He is a managing director at Madrona out in Seattle. He was a corporate vice president of developer tools at Microsoft. And actually, when I was in India, he was a great coach and mentor to me. And I asked him what he thought, you know, because he was now in the world of startups, you know, investing from Madrona. Uh, and he said, well, Joseph, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Uh, either you're going to go to to do this Nerdio thing and it's going to uh, be a great success. Maybe you'll make some money. Maybe you won't, depending on how you define success. You'll learn a lot and that'll be great. The other thing that could happen, like happens to many startups, is you'll go. It'll be an incredible failure. You'll probably still learn a lot of things that you could take forward with you. And probably Microsoft is still going to be there. And you could probably get a job at Microsoft or many other companies because of this new experience you have. And when you sort of think about it that way, that one of those two things can happen, it kind of gives you great peace in terms of taking a very difficult decision. So I decided to do it. You know, of course, I spoke with my family. My parents thought I was a little bit, you know, crazy. They had to come out to Seattle and say, like, you're leaving Microsoft. You're starting a company called Nerdio. What's wrong with you? You have three kids getting ready to go to college. But but all of that was was important. But it really came down to those two things. Could I afford to do it now? Uh, and and really, what what were the possibilities that could happen? And after I spoke with Soma, I felt really quite good about it. And then, of course, you know, knowing that I was going to be working with Vadim every day, uh, that was why I did it. So then you finally take the leap of faith. Yes. What happened next? So I took the leap of faith. Uh, I took about a, a month off to decompress for Microsoft. Uh, I, in, in my personal life, I'm a very big traveler. I, I traveled around for a bit with just a very small suitcase, to just kind of think and, uh, and reflect on my time at Microsoft and, and such. And then I joined Vadim. Uh, now, Vadim was running a managed service provider in Chicago called Adar. Uh, after some amount of time being together, we decided to sell uh, Adar to a, a private equity company called Stone Golf. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of the employees who were part of that managed service provider went with that company uh, and, and continue to run that organization today. A few of the folks joined us and we incorporated Nerdio uh, and we started. And, and you know, you, you ask sort of, you mentioned before, people who are thinking about maybe going from a big company to a very, very early stage startup, you know, what's it like or what do you think about? You know, the thing that's, that, that really stuck with me uh, and sticks with me every day is it is hard. It, it requires a tremendous amount of grit. I know grit is a sort of very overused word now in the startup uh, ecosystem, 
there are huge, huge disappointments, you know, all the time. And you have to find a way to sort of power through those and keep going and keep going and making progress. When we started the company, I mean, we had we had no revenue. We we had raised money. We raised our initial eight million dollars Series A uh, with MK Capital and and with the money that we invested. Uh, but we really had no revenue, and we just had to really go out and build it brick by brick by brick. Uh, you know, the, these sort of um, you know presentations that I do, I, I probably gave the same presentation four thousand times in the first year, over and over and over. Uh, and you have to stick with it, and you have to refine it, and you have to stick to the things that you really believe are going to work, but also be willing to adjust. And 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 not everyone, I think, can do that. I certainly at the beginning found it very, very hard uh, to adjust to that kind of way of working. Um, and that's the advice that I give folks who are really thinking of coming over from a more established company to a startup. So, you know, we we built things, we started going. Um, you know, the technology that we have, our DNA is really around a, a topic called desktop virtualization. So really, you know, allowing anyone to work from anywhere on any device they have. We build on top of a native product for Microsoft uh, called Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows 365. And we had this idea to, to you know, when we launched the company, we had one product that was really targeted towards managed service providers who were thinking of building a cloud practice in Microsoft with their SMB clients. But we had this idea that there would be a lot of enterprise companies that might like our technology as well. So in late uh, 2019, we started developing an enterprise product. We released the product on March 20th, 2020. Now, unbeknownst to us, Alejandro, and in March 2020, every company in the world needed a remote work product. We got incredibly busy which I think is another lesson of working for a startup. You know, you, you, the, you could, you could uh, plan all sorts of things, but sometimes you need a little bit of luck as well. We had a great product at the right time. Nobody ever wants to say that they, you know, they were successful necessarily because of COVID, but we were very lucky that when COVID hit, we had a product that a lot of people wanted. And then our business really exponentially grew from you know, 2020 until today, really with both products that we had. Uh, and then in um, late December, uh, we raised our Series B of $117 million with Updata Partners. And that's really taken us uh, you know, to where we are today in October 2023. Hey, guys. So pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieverson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So 
Again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So now, obviously, the Series B, I mean, I guess just the uh, total amount, just to make sure that people get it. What was the total amount raised for the company to date? $125 million. So $125 million. I know that the Series B was uh, not something that you guys were going after. So how did the Series B come out of the blue? You know, Vadim and I were very much always aligned, as was our board, that um, we would we would take investment from someone who really could exponentially grow our business. Vadim and I try to double our business every day, as many B2B SaaS companies do. Uh, Year on year, we try to double our business. And we knew if there was someone out there that could help us in an unnatural way achieve that escape velocity, we wanted to meet those people. You know, in a way, when you're a founder, it gets a little bit distracting once you start to have a little bit of success because many people are reaching out to you to try to give you money, to invest, to buy a stake in your company, to partner with you. Vadim as our CEO bore the, the 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 large brunt of that responsibility. He was getting tons of solicitations to the to the extent that we finally went to Brett uh, from our from our VC partner and said, "Can you take this and start investigating who some of these folks are?" And Brett came to us and said, "You know, we 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 met these folks. Updata Partners are an incredible growth equity company. They're based in Washington D.C. Uh, and and they have an incredible track record of growing companies like yours." We really think you should meet them. And then that sort of led to a series of meetings where we really grew to like each other very much. We understood that they were not looking to come in and, and, and change what we were doing. They were just looking to add expertise. And, and I could tell you from the day that we met them until today, that's what they've done. They've added tremendous expertise to our company, tremendous expertise to the things that I do as a CRO every day. You know, I can go to them with any topic that I have. You know, it could be something as as simple as quota setting to recruiting to modeling out different ways of doing business and, and and they've done it for many companies before and as a founder that's what you want you want this sort of collective expertise this kind of database of knowledge that they have and that they could bring to bear on your uh, company and that's exactly what we've received uh, from updata they've become great partners to us uh, have joined our board, obviously, and uh, and and really, I think, have raised our game. You know, I think I'd say something else, Alejandro, that I think was a very interesting thing in the uh, in the history of Nerdio that I'm sure other founders that are listening to this or other entrepreneurs have done. When we started the company, when Vadim and I started the company, the board was made up of Vadim, our CEO, Brett from our VC, uh, and Brett had nominated another independent director, Harry Zoberman. That was our board. At some point, after about a year and a half, Vadim and I got together and said, you know, we, we always need to find a way to raise our game. We need people to keep challenging us and, and pushing us and pushing us and pushing us. And I think there's a little bit of a danger that when you're too comfortable with your board or you're too comfortable with the people who are around you, that you're not raising your game every day. It doesn't mean that our board wasn't pushing us. They were definitely pushing us super hard. But we both felt that we wanted to keep adding people that would uh, raise our game. So. Vadim asked me if I knew of anyone. In fact, I did. One of my former bosses at Microsoft, a guy named Andy Lees, I'd worked for him two or three times. He was a president at Microsoft. A lot of us at Microsoft who had 
met with Andy, who had presented to Andy. We often likened it to going to math camp. Uh, so I reached out to Andy. I hadn't talked to him for a while and sort of long story short, Andy joined our board, uh, which was great. And then sometime after that, we knew that we wanted to make much bigger investments in the channel. We reached out to Gabriela Schuster, who was Microsoft's departing channel chief uh, and a huge expert on diversity, equity, and inclusion. She joined our board as well. That was a little bit before uh, the Updata investment. And now I think if you go to our board meetings and you attend our board meetings and, and you look at the value that our board gives us, it's immeasurable. It, it's hard to put a price on how helpful our board has been to us. A lot of people think it's a tax. We don't view it as a tax. We view it as something that really has helped us accelerate our business. So now, I guess when it comes to uh, also hiring people, you know, how do you typically go about getting the best talent possible? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, it, it, there are some lessons I learned from Microsoft, one of which is you, you always have to be recruiting. Even when you don't have an open position, you have to be recruiting. And I tell my managers that all the time. You have to have people on the bench, people you know, people you've worked with. You know, two years ago, uh, as I'm sure many who are listening know, it was much harder to hire people. People were were coming in with with uh, perhaps experience that did not match the extraordinary demands that they had on smaller companies like ours. And, you know, we would be in situations where people had multiple offers all the time. Things have changed. Uh, two years later, as we sit here today, there's a lot more people who are looking for work and we're able to find or at least choose from from even a greater pool of great people. Uh, I spend a tremendous amount of time recruiting. I do a lot of time interview, a lot of my time interviewing, helping my team uh, recruit folks and interview. You know, just as we're recording this podcast today, I think I have five other interviews that I'm doing. Um, I'm always working with external recruiters to find great people and to just meet people, to know them, even, even if we don't have a need today. You know, who are some of the great people doing marketing out there? Who are some of the great people that run inside sales organizations? Who are some of the great people that are amazing, either individual contributor or sales managers, just to get to know them, to sit down with them and understand what makes them so successful so that when we do have a need, we can, uh, we can go after them and see if they'd like to come work for Nerdio. So it's a big, big investment of time, not just recruiting new people, but then re-recruiting the people who are in Nerdio, who we want to stay because we know that we're only just getting started. So I guess, obviously, when it comes to raising money or to bring you know great talent, as you guys are doing, vision is a really big one. So let's say if you were to go to sleep tonight, Joseph, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Nerdio is fully realized, what does that world look like? You know, a lot of times, Alejandro, when I do interviews, people ask me, you know, where do you see Nerdio in three to five years? And I answer that a few different ways. You know, the first way I answer it is it's a little bit hard to know in a fast moving technology space like we're in, which is desktop as a service, desktop virtualization, where we're going to be in five years. In fact, the space that we play in is really reforming now. A lot of the uh, the incumbents in the space, Citrix and VMware, uh, have undergone massive changes being bought by private equity or, or about to be bought by Broadcom, laying off many, many employees. Uh, so I always start by saying my vision is to double the business every year. If I could grow 100% every year, I'm going to have a tremendous business. Uh, and of course, as you get bigger, it gets a little bit harder. But I think that's what people are counting us to do. That's what our investors and shareholders are counting on us to do is to keep growing the business 100% or greater a year, which we've been able to do. Uh, 
Um, I, you know, I would like to see Nerdio be the de facto solution for anyone who's looking to virtualize their desktop. Uh, so when we when our vision is fully realized, I would like to see Nerdio software being used for any virtualized desktop in the world. Now, we're certainly a ways away from doing that. But when you look at the investments that Microsoft is making in desktop virtualization, in desktop as a service, and the fact that we've bet on Microsoft and we're the only company out there that has bet exclusively on Microsoft today, I feel like we've got a really good glide path. And the TAM, the opportunity, uh, is certainly uh, there for us. So obviously here we're talking about the future. So I want to talk about the past, but doing so with a lens of reflection. Yep. Now imagine looking back, if I was to put you into, obviously you've been at it now for about five years, you know, at this, so incredible lessons learned and incredible, you know, path that you guys have been uh, going and, and journey that you've embarked in. But let's say if I put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time, you know, maybe to 2018, when you were starting to think about like, what would it be, you know, if you were to venture on your own? If you had the opportunity of having a chat with that younger Joseph and giving your younger self one piece of advice for launching a business, what would that be and why, given what you know now? Well, first of all, Alejandro, I love the fact that I could go back five years. It makes me feel much younger. So that's that's super. Uh, you know, once you cross 50 years old, you, you always want to go back in time for sure. Uh, you know, something that I was probably not very good at at Microsoft that I think I've become better at at Nerdio is not caring so much what other people think. And at Microsoft, I was very worried about that. And I think I, I underwent a process in 2018 when I joined up with Vadim, where I had to sort of break through this, this challenge I had of caring a little too much about what other people thought. And, and, and why do I say that? Because when you're at a startup, you're making many decisions very, very quickly. You don't have a lot of time for reflection and you can't always think about, well, what are other people going to think about what I'm doing? Now, that's not to say that, you know, you should wake up every day and act like an ass or something, right? Nobody wants to deal with people like that. Um, but, but worrying too much about what competitors are going to think, worrying too much about what others in the industry might think, I think slows you down a little too much. And definitely a mistake that I made uh, when we started the company in 2018 was thinking way too much about another company in our space uh, that was, you could say, competing with us. They were a little bit the incumbent. And I would wake up every day thinking about how am I going to go after that company and, and, and what are they doing? And every time they would post something to social media, I would dissect it and worry about it and think about it. And I was getting great advice from people. I said, Joseph, don't do that. You know, just worry about yourself. Worry about what you're doing at Nerdio. And it's taken me a, a long time. I'm certainly not past it. Uh, I think I was very conditioned at Microsoft to think about the competition. Uh, but, you know, that company that I was worried about in 2018, they're out of business. We put them out of business. And and it was because we did a good job and we focused on ourselves. And I would say, Alejandro, that is probably the number one thing I would go back and change is don't worry so much about what's going on around you. Worry about yourself. Worry about creating a great product, going to market in the way you want to go to market and delighting your customers and partners. I love that. So, Joseph, for the people that are listening, that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, certainly on LinkedIn, Joseph uh, Landis on LinkedIn. My, I always give people my email alias, jlandes, J-L-A-N-D-E-S at getnerdio.com. Uh, I love talking to people. I love meeting folks. And I love learning. You know, I think something Satya taught us at Microsoft is to be a learned-it-all person, not a know-it-all person. And I think in every interaction you have with someone, 
there's an opportunity to learn. So if there's anyone listening who wants to reach out and maybe share some experience you've had that uh, that could benefit us, or I could share something that would help you, I'd love to chat with you. Amazing. Well, hey, Joseph, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show. It has been an honor to have you with us today. It's been great to be here. Thank you, Alejandro. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.